0: Was the less relevant this episode, but I recently took it upon myself to research Gene Roddenberry's personal life and his relationships, and it makes a lot of sense
1: because I know he had an affair with Nichelle 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 yeah, Nichols, yes.
0: So, yeah, he was married up, up, up until 1968, yeah, to Eileen Anita Rex sure, which is a name, yeah. Um, and then he was dating Nichelle Nichols and Majelle Barrett. Uh, Nurse Chapel slash number one. Oh my God. And like... He was it, busy. Yeah. So it says he wanted to remain in an open relationship with both women, but Nichols recognizing Barrett's devotion to him ended the affair as she did not want to be the other woman to the other woman.
1: I mean, fair enough.
0: I think that's fair, you eh. know? Eh. So he was He was also living with Majelle Barrett for the first like, I guess year, like when Star Trek started, mm-hmm. basically. And he was still married to th- this other woman at the time and mm-hmm. had kids. I don't know if how they were all, it doesn't like this. Doesn't it was the sp- 60. Yeah, this doesn't specify how everyone felt about it. But like, it explains a lot about Star Trek when you realize that Gene Roddenberry was also mm. super horny IRL.
1: I mean, he's also, I, I also did a little bit of research. He named like his first son, Gene Roddenberry.
0: Didn't he name him Rod?
1: Yeah, no, so that's what I messaged you about. His name yeah. is Gene rod, Eugene Roddenberry, but he goes by Rod.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Because yeah. I
1: thought he was calling his son Rod Roddenberry, and I'm like, ew. But yeah, but was His actually... son
0: made the choice to have a ridiculous name Rod. Rod Roddenberry. Oh, yeah. Rod Rod.
1: The, uh, rod Rod.
0: <laughs> the, oh. du- the double rod.
1: <laughs> is he a, a Klingon? A Klingon? Well, that remembered. double rod. <laughs>
0: I was about to reference that, but you you got it. it.
1: I did forget what race it was, though.
0: Klingons. We haven't met them yet, but...
1: Are they on the Stubbard bow? Stubbard bow, Stubbard bow. Stop, I hate that. Are they Klingons on the Stubbard bow? My dad showed that to me once, and I truly
0: hate it. I don't even know what it is.
1: (laughs) It's just a song.
0: Yeah, it's dumb.
1: I had to learn it at choir camp. Because I'm cool and and him.
0: That that is the lamest thing I've ever heard, and I'm a a Trekkie.
1: (laughs) That I went to choir camp?
0: I was in choirs too I can't really judge
1: mm. You've been in choirs More recently than I have So
0: Yeah Gaelic choir though
1: <laughs> Gaelic choir Makes sense It was It was very
0: straight there <laughs> Oh no Yeah
1: What a shame Such a good opportunity Yeah I wonder if there's a gay Gaelic choir
0: Not in Australia mm. But I think there should be I could start it
1: I think you could.
0: Even though the choir master told me my pronunciation was so bad that I sounded Irish.
1: (gasps) The worst insult. I know. (laughs) This is Gaelic, not Gaelic. You idiot.
0: Chokie Ola? What the fuck? (laughs)
1: Ew. Ew,
0: yeah. It's my my heritage.
1: (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Ew. I think I've got some Scottish in there somewhere, so I can't really can't really make fun of you too much. Probably for this anyway. I'll find other ways. <laughs> oh,
0: what is there to make fun of me about? Anyway, onto this
1: Star Trek. <laughs> anyway, onto this Star Trek podcast that we co-host. Yeah. This is out of our Vulcan minds.
0: I'm Ellie.
1: I'm Lucinda, and we have just watched two episodes. The Menagerie Part 1 and Part 2 So this is going to be a bumper podcast episode Mm.
0: Like I think we thought it made sense To watch Part 1 and Part 2
1: Yes. In order? Yeah. Yeah. Because I did float watching part two and then part one.
0: Yeah, but we thought like... (laughs) You gotta "Mm -hmm." watch it in order. (laughs) We also thought about skipping to Deep Space Nine and then watching halfway through that and then going back. We decided to skip. I know
1: that we did skip a couple of episodes.
0: We've only skipped one so far. have we? We've skipped Dagger of the Mind. Mm -hmm. We're about to skip Conscience of the King. Mm -hmm. I am thinking of being a lot more aggressive in the episodes we skip because... So on the subject of Jean Roddenberry, Mm. I have realized that... So I started watching Star Trek like five years ago. I mm. started with original series, then I went Next Gen, Deep mm. Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, watched the new stuff like as it came the out. The speed
1: of which you just laid all of those out yeah, was frightening to me. To see
0: how fast I can do every series. Yep. Yeah. Original series, animated series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, um, and then there's going to be Brave New World, uh, no, Strange New World. <gasps>
1: Fuck! You are not a true fan. Oh, Fake Kansas. fan. Fake fan. No. Fake fan.
0: <laughs> Can't deal. What were we saying?
1: Can't remember. Um, we're watching the Menagerie. We skipped some episodes. Deal with it.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Oh yeah. No no, I got it. I got it. Mm. So I watched the, the series in that order. Yes. And As God intended. I started to like really love it during Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Those are my two favorite. Yep. And those two happened after Gene Roddenberry died. I see. Early next generation, when he was still alive, is still very horny and very... Mm. There are issues with it and it's not great. So mm. I think going back and looking at the Gene Roddenberry era, I realized that I don't love what he did. And I'm very excited to get to the era where he wasn't alive anymore. No offense to Gene Roddenberry, but like...
1: Because in... I mean, jumping into these this bumper episode, this double two-parter episode... Mm-hmm. There is a lot of horniness in it. And you've got the traditional Gene Roddenberry power dynamic relationship where you've got like the captain and then someone who has had a lot of power taken away from them, forced into some sort of sexual or or semi-sexual relationship with someone who has a lot of power, where you've got, um, captain, whatever his name is, Pike Pike, and Vina or whatever, this woman. And there's that power dynamic where she kind of relies on him and he gets to be the big strong man. That's a real Gene Roddenberry staple. But one other thing that I really noticed about this episode is there's this character, Vina, who is, spoiler alert, an old woman who is being disguised to the humans as a young, hot woman. Now, this has been... A bit of a a pattern over the last few episodes Mm. because there have been a lot of young attractive women who end up actually being sort of either old or gross or unattractive and I'm gonna give Gene Roddenberry a little bit of credit here so get ready yeah I think that he's being aware that society expects women to be young and virile and attractive More than they expect men to be that way. And I think that Gene Roddenberry is commenting on that. And I think that this goes back to some of the other previous episodes where Gene Roddenberry tries to be progressive but just doesn't quite hit the mark. And I think it's because he's just too horny and he can't deal with it. But in this episode, I think he tries more than in other ones where he goes, I recognise that women have more social currency when they're young and hot and virile. And that kind of sucks. Hmm. And... I'm going to give credit where credit's due for Gene Roddenberry. I think sometimes his horniness goes like a complete 180 and he actually goes in the right direction for a couple of seconds. And I just want to, I want to give him some credit there.
0: I would uh, agree with you there. Mm. I I think it was certainly better than previous episodes we've seen. Mm. Just real quick, should I give like a, like a brief, like overview of the two-parter? Yes.
1: Let's do a quick summary.
0: Essentially what happens first, first half an hour. So this is the two-parter, so it's hour 40 in total anyway so to start with spock is conspiring to do something they, the enterprise ends up at a planet where spock's former captain captain pike is uh there in hospital care because he's been horribly disfigured by some sort of accident he's he's crippled like he only has his mental faculties and nothing else mm. so anyway spock for some reason begins to take control of the enterprise without uh, kirk's knowledge takes pike to the forbidden planet Talos Four, and eventually we find out that he's taken him there to give him this illusory life that is still a lot more complete than his life would be otherwise provided by these psychic aliens who create these illusions for him. Interspersed through that we see the story of how Pike met these aliens 13 years ago and they tried to convince him to basically create a new human race with this one woman which inbreeding come on. They haven't that's, figured that out yet. But yeah, so so he does, in the flashbacks, Pike does work out that that's what's happening. They let him go because they're just like, humans don't like being imprisoned and made to <laughs> fuck? What?
1: We need to do more research.
0: Yeah. But um, in the future, Spock realizes that this is the, basically the only chance Pike has at some kind of a complete life. And that's basically the story of this two-parter.
1: That's a very good summary because there is a lot that sort of happens. Yeah. That's a good, like, high-level summary. Yeah.
0: Because for context, the flashbacks that we see they feature Captain Pike, and it was mm. the original pilot. This was the pilot that got dropped, and then they got to do a second pilot, the second pilot featuring the crew that we know and have mixed <laughs> feelings for.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: the only character who carries across into the main series is Spock. Thank God. And the Enterprise, because isn't the Enterprise just another character?
1: Can we also quickly go back so that. They've got a full crew of people. Um, not as diverse. There's not... The whole crew on deck are white. Mm. I noticed that one of the guys in the transporter room was Asian, I think. Maybe. But he was on screen for like two seconds.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice.
1: No one on main deck was not white. However, I would love to have kept the guy who played Captain Pike yeah. over William Shatner. Because the guy who played um, Captain Pike, way hotter... Less gross, Mm -hmm. more competent. Not as sexually attracted to Spock, though, which, you know, would take away No,
0: there was no tension. There was no
1: tension there. It was very formal.
0: So if we could somehow get the tension Mm. of Kirk and everything else that Pike had. Mm. Because one thing I really liked about Pike is that a lot of... Starfleet captains, you know, Kirk, Picard, Mm. Patrick Stewart. They're very diplomacy oriented. They like to reason out problems. They talk to people. Mm. But Pike throughout the whole thing was like, I'm going to fucking murder you. (laughs) I'm going to break your spine, you little fucking alien shit.
1: (laughs) I did like that. He was very, like, proactive.
0: I mean, it is a plot point that these Talosians, Mm. uh, as they're known... They can usually read minds, but they apparently can't read very primitive, aggressive thoughts. Mm. So that's why... That's part, I guess that's part of why Pike's like, I'm going to fuck you up.
1: Yeah, but it it's, is it's, somewhat diplomatic. It's still well, not very, diplomatic, but strategic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's still very entertaining to see because it's very un-Kirk. Like, he doesn't do that a whole lot.
1: No. Maybe I'd like him more if he was. Maybe I just want someone that's got a bit more pizzazz.
0: You'll love Captain Janeway. She's <laughs> the captain of Voyager. She is so quick to go to murder. Like, her two big things are coffee and murder.
1: I really relate to that.
0: She's my second favourite captain. I love her. After Patrick Stewart? After Captain Sisko uh-huh. of Deep Space Nine. Okay. Picard's my third.
1: Okay, fair enough. Kirk's fourth. Wow, you really got that. Off Archer, the dome. Archer's fifth. I don't know who most of these people are.
0: No, we'll get there.
1: Okay, cool. I think one of the things that I really liked about this episode, because I did like it, I loved the aesthetic. They really worked on it.
0: Especially the opening scenes on Starbase 11. They they again had the the painted backdrops, the really detailed sci-fi art that they use as the backdrop to a big, you know, outdoor scene.
1: And the buildings of this base that they go to initially where the captain is being held in hospital, the buildings are essentially like... They kind of look like the Jetsons, right? What people in the 60s thought the 2020s were going to be like. These, you know, really tall white buildings, really pointy, really angular, Hmm. really gorgeous. And... The planet that this base is on has a purple sky. There's a lot of purple in this episode and I do like a bit of purple. Yeah. And they really make it work and it really does look quite futuristic, especially on the base.
0: C- can I just take a real quick tangent? Yes. Do you know? Do you want to know a fun fact about the 2020s and Star Trek calendar? I want to
1: know about the 2020s and the Star Trek calendar.
0: So there's an episode in Deep Space Nine where they accidentally time travel to 2024. Mm-hmm. They end up in these slums in, in San Francisco mm-hmm. and they're like, bearing in mind, this was filmed in 93. Mm-hmm. These are the in the 2020s, there was mass inequality across America. You know, there were these poor wow. people focused everywhere. And the episode ends with these riots by these poor people. And also, fun fact about the Star Trek canon human civilization collapses briefly in the mid 21st century. So we've got that to look forward to. Woohoo! Yeah, it's a very prescient the way that they, they are. <laughs> they do go to the 2020s and they're like, yeah, shit's fucked here.
1: That's amazing. It's troubling. three. A great year.
0: Because that's the year Deep Space Nine started. It's my favourite. The year we were born. born. (laughs) It's a good year. Great year. year.
1: Now you know how old we are, guys. You Uh, can either think we're super old or super young, depending on your age.
0: I mean, everyone that listens to this is either our age or older, right? Not everyone. (gasps) Who's younger?
1: I don't know. I've been looking at our stats. Got a couple of younger people. A couple of the Zoomers.
0: Josie's 25.
1: Out your girlfriend on the pod. I didn't, I didn't say a last <laughs> name. Um, but yeah, I've got a girlfriend. No big deal. I'm gonna Just, keep this.
0: No, don't please <laughs> No, cut I it. will.
1: I won't cut it. she listens to this. I know, and she'll know that you like her. She'll oh, be like Ooh, no, that's so embarrassing. She likes me. <laughs> You've gone already. Shut up.
0: I'm having wine.
1: <laughs> yeah, blame it on the wine. One other thing is there are some really great aliens. So the Thalosians.
0: Thalosians. Yeah.
1: Thalosians. Thalosians. Mm-hmm. So they are these um, species that live on the planet Talos Four, And they were driven underground because of a civil war. Don't worry about it. Whatever. And they basically look like little old men. But like they've got these amazing huge heads that look from the back. Like testicles. They they have like mm. a, a crease in the middle. They look like just they've got these this big ball sack on their head. With veins and everything going through it. Like really veiny ball sacks on their head. And
0: these veins pulse.
1: And they pulse when, but only when they're thinking really hard. <laughs> when they think really hard. Ooh, relatable. Their veins pulse when they're thinking really hard. It's
0: really well done as a practical effect and I hate it.
1: It's really troubling to watch and I love it. And they also wear these like long purple robes with these huge gold medallions mm, yes. around their neck very
0: shimmery very
1: shimmery love it great aesthetic um apart from the, the heads actually i don't mind the heads
0: yeah and and you know following on from the the makeup present day pike who is very heavily disfigured <gasps> yes as well as vena yes in her true form they're both quite heavily disfigured from various accidents and it's really well done makeup. Yeah. Love it. Especially Pikes when he, they, they do a full on slow turnaround to, to the Kirk and everyone mm. as a reveal. It's good makeup. Again, good prosthetics in Star Trek.
1: Really good prosthetics across the board. I think Star Trek, from what I've seen so far, they're not trying to go on above and beyond what they're able to do. Like they've got the cool lasers shooting stuff and like they make things go all multicolored. Like they're not trying to do anything too full on. And it's really captivating to watch.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because I guess for the time it actually was really full on. Because the reason they did this whole thing where they recut the original pilot around a new episode and Mm. made it into a two parter was because the special effects work they had to do was causing delay in production and it was like cumulative, and every week they'd be more and more behind. And this was like a way of trying to get everything out in time.
1: I see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Like it, it, was, it was something they did out of necessity, but I think it made a really good two episodes.
1: Yeah. I thought it was a really good episode. The scenes where... So... Spock is basically being tried For running a mutiny When he takes over the ship To go to Talos 4 mm-hmm. And that that hearing Which is space law Which is my favourite line In <laughs> the whole thing They're like Spock This is space law And we both love that this, So the hearing is by Captain Kirk Another guy uh, and Commodore Mendez Which is a cool name Jose Jose Yeah so that's the guy Who they were getting The spicy peppers for in like it, In episode, episode one. one Yeah 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 <laughs> Um, I wonder if he ever got them.
0: Well, you said he was very subdued in this episode at one point. I think it's because he didn't get those spicy peppers.
1: If he had the spicy peppers, he'd be a bit more energetic, do you think?
0: Are we doing racial profiling now?
1: But he's white. He was a white dude, but his name was Jose Mendez. Oh, do you want to know what the
0: actor's name was? What was
1: the actor's name?
0: Malachi Throne.
1: <gasps> That's such a cool name. Right. Malachi Throne. Right. That's so cool.
0: That's a cool name. Much better than William Shatner
1: Honestly I'm so sick of William Shatner What a fucking idiot That's name. probably
0: just because There hasn't been as much McCoy lately So If there was more McCoy You'd probably be more okay with Kirk I don't know
1: Yeah he was in this In this In this episode But not heap. Not a whole lot I did like that they all got Dressed up for the hearing The they dress all uniforms on, yeah, yes. They all put on their special Their fancy uniforms And they all did their hair special mm-hmm. They were all excited For the hearing. They put on their shiny jackets.
0: Kirk was conflicted. He was there try like he has his his boyfriend was on trial, possibly gonna get the death penalty.
1: Yes, that was floated a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's okay, that's one thing though, right? After Pike leaves Talos Four, obviously Starfleet at some point is then like, okay, no one can go back there. We're Mm. gonna execute you if you go back there.
1: It's a bit full on, I think.
0: It's a bit full on, and it's a bit weird because like, okay, it's it was shitty there but like no more shitty than most planets they go to Mm. on a weekly basis Mm. but apparently this one deserved the death penalty i guess it's just something to add tension and it it does i think it adds a lot of tension and makes it very cool that spock's like aware that he's going to get the death penalty and the whole time he's just like yeah i did this it was me i did it for for captain pike but i did do it so i'm guilty
1: Yeah very cool of him. One thing that I have noticed in Star Trek is it's all very one level of emotion. Like no one seems to get worked up or stressed out and I don't find that very relatable. Mm. So everyone's sort of on the one level regardless of what is happening around them. So for example when Spock takes over the Enterprise to Rush everyone to tell us. For Captain Kirk and the Commodore are chasing after them in a little ship.
0: We think.
1: We think. Okay, but <laughs> they're in the ship, and Captain Kirk says, "Ah, there's two hours of oxygen left. We've got no hope on catching up to them." And no one, neither of them, freak out mm. or go, "Oh shit! If we run out of oxygen, we'll die." And it's the same with. Sp- I mean, it makes a little bit more sense with Spock because he's meant to be. Vulcan and not into feelings and stuff but it just makes me think back to that um the Corbamite Maneuver episode where what's his face was like Aah! and they're all like can you calm down please what drugs are they taking like are they taking some sort of like mild sedative to chill out the whole time
0: well this is how I rationalize it because okay everything that's like odd in Star Trek or out of place I try to internally rationalize it you know, suspension of disbelief kind of stuff. I, I try to, like, make it make sense with headcanon. Mm-hmm. This is not super headcanony, but, like, I, I just imagine that they're that competent at their jobs and they're that aware that space is, like... Because you watch a show like The Expanse, for example, which takes place in space, and it really drives home the fact that, like, you're in this little metal box in space mm-hmm. and space is not a good place to be in. Mm-hmm. So I like to imagine that the crew of the enterprise are aware that death is just something that can happen like that in, in space and they're prepared for everything to go wrong. Like they know how to do their jobs. And so when certain death is staring them in the face, Mm. they're just like, okay, well I'm going to keep doing my job and hopefully that gets us out of it. Mm. And they just chill.
1: But then I think of so many other bits of culture that I have watched that are set in space with competent people and they still have moments where they, Show emotion. Like Mm. Alien. Like Sigourney Weaver's character, whatever her name is. She is in a lot of stressful situations. Ripley. Ripley, thank you. Famously not gendered in the casting.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Yeah, when they
1: wrote the script for Alien, none of the characters had genders. And so they did gender-blind casting. So Ripley could have been a man or a woman. That's
0: cool. That's why all
1: the characters are last names. Because it means Mm. that they didn't have to be gendered. Fun fact. Neato. So yeah, the writers didn't have any gender in mind for Ripley. That's why it's a competent woman in whenever that film was made. I think they should always do that. They should always do that. Everyone ever. Every time. Anyway, but even though Sigourney Weaver's, Ripley's character in Alien, is like super competent and knows what she's doing, when she's running from the Alien or hunting the Alien, she's still, when you look at her face, she's like, "Oh, Hmm. oh no. I'd like a little bit more of that because I'm finding a lot of the characters at this point in Star Trek a little bit inaccessible in the sense that they don't show a lot of emotion and I get that they're at work but that doesn't seem to stop them from being super horny so <laughs> you know what I mean
0: it's the 60s everyone was horny and not afraid of anything <laughs>
1: oh man
0: no i totally get that yeah i think you're like well within your rights to think that Mm. you are allowed to think that so
1: thank you for letting Mm. me think that
0: that's all right i'm (laughs) so nice
1: you're so nice to me
0: but that's just like how i approach these things i just Mm. like try to rationalize it in my head so that there's some sort of in-universe explanation for the way people do things and etc
1: oh we gotta talk about the horniest moment so i've got mine okay so funnily enough this wasn't as horny as a lot of other episodes Mm-mm. it was very plot driven it was a lot about morality about spock wanting to take his old boss to this place where he could live a, a somewhat fulfilling life in an illusion which would be better than living his real life with like sort a of
0: vegetative state maybe.
1: yeah so he could live in the vegetative he could be still be in that vegetative state But within his mind, have it, you know, be able to explore and have a... Mm. With Vina, With Vina, Which would, you know, be much more of a life. And Spock was willing to risk his life and his his reputation Mm. for this. And so that was a really interesting plot point. And then you've got the trial and then you've got them visiting the base and all that sort of stuff. So there wasn't a lot of room to be horny, but they still managed a little bit of horniness. I didn't feel... I have two... So one of them was when they're going through Captain Pike's sort of memory castle and he's going through all these thoughts and memories where he's finding Vena hot in like various different situations. And there's one where she's all green and like doing belly dances in front of him and mm. they're like, no, no human male can resist the, the slave girl.
0: So if, if you want a little bit of a law corner here.
1: Mm-hmm. L- yes, please. So a low corner inside of a horniest moment.
0: The, the fully... Oh, wow. Mm. Segment within segment. So the fully green people who show up again and showed up in Enterprise. I think they're in other episodes of the original series. Mm-hmm. They're Orions. Orionian. Or, they're from Orion. And the females of the Orion species are supposed to be irresistible to men because they have pheromones that, like, you know... although as we've seen from the men on the enterprise you don't need to have pheromones (laughs) for them to like absolutely lose their shit. if
1: you've just got like decent titties they'll be into it
0: yeah they'll like and the computer will let you know (laughs) Um, in case
1: you weren't sure
0: yeah so 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 in that scene she was supposed to be an orion slave girl because orions are also slavers sure yeah
1: Yeah, so she's kind of, she's all green and she's wearing this very scantily clad kind of...
0: I noticed it. So it looked like it was like scales as if she somehow put the torso of a crocodile on her and there were like little spikes coming out of her torso. Yeah,
1: and then strategic holes showing like It was a
0: strange leotard.
1: It was very weird. And she had really blue eyes coming through this green paint. Mm. And Captain Pike was real horny for her.
0: He had a great outfit.
1: Yes, that long gold and purple robe and yeah. it was all shiny. That yeah. was really good too. Really great outfits in this in this episode.
0: Speaking of gold and purple, our next episode, I think you'll like the Romulans outfits, mm-hmm. I think, hopefully.
1: I hope so too. Yeah, cool. I love a good outfit. Mm. And, but then I think the second haughtiest moment for me, and I know we usually only pick one, but I want to pick two.
0: What if it's mine though?
1: Oh Yeah, let's do yours first and see if it's the same one.
0: All right, okay. So I found... It wasn't a horny, but it just—it was just really, like, it felt significant emotionally between Kirk and Spock.
1: I think this is the one that I was going to say.
0: It's its the moment where the, the hearing's briefly adjourned, Commodore Mendez has left, and Spock's just there, like, he's, like, almost pleading with him. He's like, Captain, Jim, you must let them, you must let me show you, uh, like, you must let him go, something like that. He's just, like, really pleading with Jim. And it's just done in a way that's very, lay, lays bare the, you the know, emotions that start, starts with the professional veneer, but then that's just gone, calls him Jim, you know, and then mm. it's like, babe, babe.
1: There's another big moment between them when Spock is going towards Talos 4 and knows that Jim is following behind him and is running out of vitals and decides to use the tractor beam to pull him on board Even though he knows that that would mean that he has to go to trial and die. Mm -hmm. He would die to save Captain Kirk? Incredible. Yeah. That's horny.
0: I mean, throughout this whole episode, Spock is hyper competent. I I think one of my favorite moments of Spock um, was early on when he breaks into Starbase 11's communications center. He sends some fake messages to the Enterprise. Yes. And he's like programming this One guy shows up And he's like Hey you're not authorized to be here And they start having a little fight While Spock's still In between Throwing the guy away Still like Does his little programming stuff Yeah And then this guy gets like Two solid punches into Spock And he just like Takes them like they're nothing And then like Does a little fancy trick And grabs the guy Vulcan neck grips him Drops him Mm. Like Spock is just He does everything perfectly in this Yeah And then the fact that when It comes to it He's like I submit myself to arrest. I've done my job
1: Mm. It's really hot mm. Watching him be really competent Is extremely attractive
0: Because Kirk's not great Oh in god no, ways. he's
1: bad Kirk is not good at his job at all oh. What else? I'm trying to think of like other highlights of this episode This was the one that you told me that a lot of people didn't like because it was, quote unquote, too cerebral.
0: Yeah. So the original pilot, so the chunks of this that were, yeah, formed the original pilot, Mm. it didn't take off because it was considered too cerebral. But if you compare it to When No Man Has Gone Before, I think this is a lot better
1: I do too and I do find it really funny that the Star Trek team went okay so this pilot it's too cerebral it's got too many layers people don't get it let's add more layers and make it more complicated and make it part of a trial that uses space law mm. on a ship and we're gonna add all these other characters and all these other layers and like it, it seems counterintuitive if the feedback was it's too complicated yeah but they went let's make it more complicated
0: I, yeah I, I think they were presumably at a point where they were like we just need to make two episodes to fill in time Mm. so they were less thinking about the cerebrality of it Mm -hmm. which is is good because i think they did a really good job in creating a narrative around it and if you ignore the very that even with the in-universe explanation of the, the scenes that we see are being projected mentally by the Talosians. That's why it looks like it's a TV show. It's still hard to suspend your disbelief. It still looks like they're watching an episode of Star Trek. Yeah. So even with that kind of glaring thing that they don't quite fully explain away, I think they did really well recutting that into a two-parter.
1: I think that they did too and I think it was a really interesting episode but I think it's mostly because they were able to get a lot of the things that I really like from Star Trek in they got some really funky aliens they got some good painted landscapes uh, they had a good fight scene they had a good like again a moral conundrum I love that where someone has to try and decide between leaving someone that they respect and have a Mm. lot of affection for in a vegetative state with you know no quality of life who can only communicate by pressing yes or no on a machine or risking his life and his reputation to go to a planet that he's forbidden to go to and ensure that his this person that he respects and has you know a lot of affection for to be able to have some sort of life even if that is only within his own mind but to be able to have sensations and experiences I think that that's really interesting and I think it gives another interesting layer to Spock
0: it's a great Spock episode it's a
1: great I love a Spock episode Mm. because Spock keeps saying to Kirk he's like you know it's purely logical I'm only doing this because it's the logical and right thing to do no it's incredibly emotional like you wouldn't do this for anybody do you think Spock would risk his loyalty with Captain Kirk risk his reputation with the Enterprise and with the the other guys the big space people Starfleet command. Starfleet command. Thank you. (laughs) And the the Federation and whatever. Like he'd have he'd not be able to get any work anywhere
0: because he's dead.
1: Well, because he'd be dead. Yeah, (laughs) but you know he wouldn't. He'd die with no dignity left, and I feel like that's very important to Spock. Mm. He did that for someone that he that he cares about, and it's really interesting because like it seems like he either has no emotions or every emotion all at once.
0: Yeah, you could you could try and. Pick apart how that would be logical and you could go well I guess the only way that it would make logical sense is to suggest that Pike having a full and complete life even if it is illusory is more valuable than Spock having a life at all which frankly is not logical because if you're going to be logical you wouldn't say one life is worth more than another
1: mm-hmm.
0: so I mean you're totally right that's the thing like we see Spock be emotional quite a bit episode the episode where there's the virus that gets everyone uh wasted (laughs) he breaks down and cries and i'll never
1: forget that that's beautiful you know
0: getting drunk doesn't give you new emotions Mm. it removes your inhibitions Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and and it's funny in the in in part one of the episode mccoy's like oh spock wouldn't do this he's vulcan and sure he's got a he's got a human half but that is completely suppressed under a vulcan half and we just continue to see that that's not true that human half is repressed but it still sneaks out all the time.
1: Mm. Absolutely. And I think any time that we get to see more and more of Spock, I just... I'm, I'm obsessed with him. And he's so mm. much more interesting than so many of the other characters that we see a lot of. I think that that would be the same if we saw more of some of the other Star characters. Like, I think if we got more of a hurrah that wasn't just, you know, singing a song to bully Spock. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the most... Ex- like, the most that we've seen into her life. Yeah, um, I think... I don't know about Yeoman Rand. I mean, her job's kind of boring.
0: She, well, the thing is, Spock's got a conflict and it's the human and the Vulcan sides. That's true. No one else has a conflict, really. I mean, uh, Kirk's got his whole like, oh, I want to love people, but I love my ship too much.
1: That's interesting. But you could give something that kind of conundrum to anybody.
0: Yeah, like, like. Bones doesn't have anything going on You know, what you see is what you get with Bones He's a doctor and he's grumpy <laughs> <laughs> And he bullies Spock for his alien heritage
1: I did enjoy that Bones wasn't in this heaps
0: No, no, he was in it a little bit Wasn't It was odd to see him actually defending Spock Did he? He does briefly when, at the start When Kirk's beginning to suspect Spock of manipulating this whole thing
1: Oh, that's right
0: mccoy's like no he wouldn't although that was more like racial profiling like oh <laughs> vulcans can't lie which they obviously can
1: i mean yeah after the last was it the last episode where i agreed with bones on a few things I, I, it was
0: mary it was mary yeah yeah you were agreeing when with every bones. time
1: i so every time i asked a question like how come this is a thing and how come this thing then bones would ask that exact question seconds after I yeah had. I don't know, it's making me re-evaluate him.
0: At least you're a little bit quicker than Bones, so you can take that as like <laughs> a consolation.
1: Yeah, I mean no one in Star Trek's like fast. They all do things quite slowly. Yeah,
0: you yeah. know, it's a pretty like chill leisure cruise through space.
1: Mm. We had some really good music throughout this episode as well a lot of brass and a lot of orchestrations a lot of spooky sounds i really liked that Mm. although it was very startling a lot of the time like one time when spock spots someone in that room that he's not supposed to be in and there are these trumpets that are like ah (laughs) you've got a bit startled
0: sometimes the musical sings are a bit much (laughs) and they're very they're very shrill and and like strident and
1: Mm.
0: yeah sometimes i don't love them
1: I don't mind it so much. I enjoy the dramatisation of it. It adds to that surreal element of this show. There is something sort of super real about it in the way that people behave. And sort of having bizarre, intrusive music really plays into that surreal nature of the show. And I think Mm -hmm. it's all just sort of a part of it. I'm into it.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair. It could just be the, the level that we have the sound at. but
1: I do have it very loud. It's quite loud. I like to hear things. I want to hear all of it.
0: I'm the hearing impaired one. (laughs) We haven't really covered a whole lot of the extended sequence in the menagerie. Yes. So one thing I thought was cool was um, there's a line where Pike's like, oh, you're trying to keep us in in, in this menagerie, this cage. And... (laughs) what i love about that is that the original pilot was called the cage right. and and this two-parter is called the menagerie mm. so it's like that one line they cut both titles out of but yeah so there is an extended scene in which actually you did touch on it a little bit where the telosians are trying to convince pike that this is great um you mm. can mate with vena <laughs> and then they beam down
1: two other women
0: number one and unnamed female <laughs>
1: Don't worry about it.
0: And number one, played by Majel Barrett, who plays Nurse Chapel.
1: Yes. And she's
0: she is great in this. And I've, I'm just doing like a big old tangent here. but
1: Well, they age her in more recent episodes. Because in this one, she's got sort of long, dark hair and looks a lot like... Um, she looks like... Uh, they're creepy and they're spooky. M- blah, blah, blah. Morticia Gomez? She looks like Morticia Adams. Gomez is her husband. Go- yeah, sorry. Morticia Adams. She looks like Morticia Adams with that sort of long, blonde hair and kind of slightly like elongated eyes that are blue and kind of half closed in this sort of sultry manner and I think she looks a lot like Morticia Adams. Maybe not as pale. No. But that long dark hair for sure.
0: And she is second in command.
1: Yes which is interesting.
0: Which is big because Nurse Chapel is a nurse. Yeoman Rand brings food to Kirk. (laughs) Uhura eats
1: up coffee with laser guns. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Who are functionally just answers calls for the Enterprise. So they're all in very subordinate, almost passive roles. Mm. So it was really cool that the pilot had a woman like second in command and, you know, at various points in command of the Enterprise while Pike was on the planet.
1: I guess that helps when you're boning the director, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, that's why... Both her and Michelle Nichols are in the show at all, I guess. Mm. Which I guess good things came out of Gene Roddenberry's horniness.
1: So is, wait, let's go back to Michelle Nichols because you said her kids were in that episode in Mary. Michelle Nichols' kids, yeah,
0: not her kids. Oh, uh, did you say Michelle Nichols? No, Grace Lee Whitney, who oh, played. Oh, I'm Joan getting Brand. the two women mixed. <laughs> wow, cancelled.
1: Sorry, my bad. Okay, let's get back to the plot. What were we talking about? Oh, the menagerie.
0: The menagerie. So, like, yeah, the actual, like, cagey bit.
1: Yes. I don't know. I didn't feel that it was super compelling. I mean, like, they put him in various situations where he was meant to find this woman horny. Find her horny? (laughs) the fee horny for her? (laughs) I don't know, dude. I don't know.
0: The first scene was weird. So, it flashes him back to... An experience he was talking to his doctor about that he'd undergone weeks earlier on Rigel 7, question mark. Which he was like, oh, this was traumatic. A bunch of crew members died. So they flash him back to that. But this time he's got to look after Veena against this weird big dude (laughs) who's just like a big human guy. But they keep calling it it.
1: And he's covered in like big furs or something. He's got big teeth. He does have big teeth. There is so many tangents in this episode. I'm just realizing, do you remember, this is another horny moment that I totally forgot about. Mm -hmm. Do you remember before this memory when he's talking about it to his doctor, the way that that scene starts is it's Captain Pike and he's in his cabin and he presses the intercom and he's like please send the doctor to my cabin and he turns off the intercom walks over to his bed and sort of drapes himself over <laughs> the bed and props up his head and he's in a very seductive stance and the doctor comes in and he's like oh hello doctor and i'm like hmm. why are you like this And dude?
0: The, the doctor gets him a martini
1: yes and then the doctor gets him a martini and then captain pike's like why are you making me a martini and the doctor's like Oh, because people open up more to their bartenders than their doctors, and I'm like, what? What is going on here? What's
0: like? What is the most, the deepest, most profound thing you've ever told a bartender? Because for me, it's probably like, oh yeah, I'm just here on holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Who talks to their but? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Maybe in the '60s, it was more of a thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like Mad Men, you know, you'd go to. a bar and have a whiskey and
1: yeah and i think it's maybe more of a masculine thing where it's like ah you can't talk about your feelings
0: how uh, the old wife's uh, uh, she bloody, the uh, old uh, strife, she's uh, bloody the old trouble and strife you know, uh, she's uh, bloody after uh, me and
1: never bloody stop talking to me uh, around stuff that's really. why i'm
0: having an affair with the receptionist uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh <dear. laughs>
1: luckily masculinity is in, in involved evolved <laughs> maybe maybe it hasn't maybe i'm just living a lie
0: maybe humans are just
1: if there's one thing i do know about humans it's that we don't like being put in cages
0: (laughs) even when we get to just fuck a bunch (laughs) (laughs) okay so one cool bit i also wanted to mention was when number one and the other chick beamed down
1: yes yes
0: they've got their faces and like and captain pike just like opens her jacket and grabs her phaser out which is like <laughs> okay but anyway he he's like tries them and they're not working and then later when a talosian is sneaking into the into their little cave to um grab their phasers out yeah he grabs him he grabs the talosian and he's like trying to shoot the cage wall and mm. it does you know nothing happens and then he's like illusions
1: ah. and he's
0: like I bet that did blow a hole in the wall and you're just not letting us see it. Well, how about if I test it on your head and then the illusion has dropped and we see that it did blow a hole? I thought that was pretty cool.
1: That was pretty cool. It's a pretty cool power move. Um, My one favourite moment is when the two women from the starship beam down into the room with Captain Pike and they say, ah, we see you don't like the female that we provided you with, so here are two more. And then they look at number one and they're like, if you have children with her, they will be smart. And they go, and if you have children with this unnamed other woman, they will be lithe and athletic. Make your choice. And he's like, to his credit, he's like, ew, no. Yeah.
0: You feel like Kirk would at least like look at them.
1: But, yeah. But Pike, Pike doesn't
0: engage. Like Pike takes a moment to say, I'm going to, I'm going to smash your head in you little goblin.
1: <laughs> Which I respect. Him. Yeah.
0: He was not distracted. He mm. was focused on his murder lust.
1: <laughs> He really had a lot of bloodlust for these aliens. He does say, do you guys have red blood too? Oh yeah. And I was like, wow. It's terrifying. So aggressive. <laughs> no wonder
0: they were like, yeah, we're not using you. You're so angry.
1: Although I think, I mean, going back to the, uh, the philosophy of Star Trek, it's really interesting because they're meant to be these, you know, hyper-intelligent Beings, They can communicate telepathically. They can create these cages for humans to live in. They can make people think whatever they want them to think and, you know, live in these illusions. And the way that they legitimise keeping humans in this jail, essentially, they go, oh, you know, they're not as smart as us. They're, you know, really rudimentary in their thinking. We can keep them and do experiments on them, much like how people keep animals in zoos. Uh And I think that that has something that they wanted to say about, like, why does human intelligence have to be the baseline? What if a more intelligent species comes along and treats us the way that we treat animals? Just because we perceive animals as being less intelligent, which I thought was an interesting thing.
0: I didn't read that myself, but I love that as a way of looking at it (laughs) as a vegan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you held that in for so many episodes.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's I've barely been able to contain my scorn and moral outrage as you continue to consume the flesh. Yum yum of the deceased. Yes, no, that's really cool. That's a really good way of looking at it because so often in Star Trek, humans come across these hyper intelligent beings. Mm. Uh, with Charlie X, M- uh, Mitchell forgot his name. Where no man name. has gone before. Yeah,
1: what god was his name? Mitchell.
0: Was it Mitchell? Paul.
1: Whatever, that dude in know, that just before where he gets zapped with the thing.
0: Yeah, and there's like a heap. Like, there's a recurring character in the next gen called Q, who's an omnipotent being. There's a oh, guy Q. in. Q. 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 Not like Q Anon.
1: But maybe that's. It's all connected.
0: It could be. Q, the Q are an omnipotent species.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where they got the idea from, at the very least. I would hate that. <laughs>
0: there are right wing fans of Star Trek, as much as that baffles everyone else
1: watching some of these earlier episodes i can see why
0: yeah i think there's even right-wing fans of not the most recent episodes in which you know the lead character is a black woman
1: mm.
0: the uh, the right wingers get a little cross about that i'm
1: sure they would i don't know i get that gene roddenberry has a lot of problems and mm. he's just really horny all the time and that really gets in the way but when he's like actively not horny he makes some really good points like i like the way that he like i said at the beginning of the episode he's aware of you know women needing to be you know hot and attractive to get ahead in life that's interesting the idea of sacrificing yourself for somebody else even though that sacrifice is just a quote-unquote illusion Um, the idea of zoos and what is a you know a higher intelligence and You know why do we think that we have to be the baseline for intelligence and anything more than us is you know weird and more than and anything less than us is you know available for us to consume and exploit it's interesting i think there's some really cool things going on here and i think they are very progressive ideals but then also he's just so horny
0: yeah look I guess that's it 50 years later we can see a lot of the problems with it but for the time he, he was really putting crazy new ideas out there
1: yeah I think he's really giving it a go I think I would like to see fewer of these power dynamics where there's one man who sort of has a lot of authority and power in one way being with a woman who is either a sentient android or works for him or is in some sort of subservient position Or have it reversed in some way or have some more, you know, varied relationships that aren't Mm. just sort of a man who's in control and then a woman who is subservient in one way or another. Like, that does seem to be the baseline for relationships in this series. If I think there were more kind of horniness mixed in with it, sure. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of implied with Spock and Kirk but i feel like that's just maybe us reading into it with our you know 2020 gay agenda. Yeah. Like you know what i mean? Like us reading into it going, you know, this could happen and it would be okay. I don't know whether that's actually written in or whether they're just meant to be best buds. You know what i mean?
0: There were episodes written designed to fuel the Kirk's box ship. Really? Yeah, because um th- this was about the time that slash Vic began to emerge as a result of fictional relationships like Kirk and Spock. Like they, they literally provided the basis for that as like a kind of subculture.
1: Okay. And Cause I really am into their relationship because yeah. even though Kirk does outrank Spock, it's quite, they're still quite close in terms of the, the rankings on the ship.
0: I mean, he's the second in command. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it does feel relatively even. Yeah. Even in terms of control and authority and, you know, I really enjoy them sort of teasing it out. And there's it's actually quite modern in the sense that neither of them expect any kind of like you know fidelity or, or monogamy. It's just this sort of like infatuation and trust mm. between Spock and Kirk. It's really interesting. I, I really am into the way that their relationship is sort of created. Yeah. And I'm interested to know that the creators have that in mind based off fan fiction. And I do get the sense that, The story has been influenced by fans for a long time, which I think is interesting. But I do think that that can often go too far in the sense of some of more modern TV shows who have tried to cater to fans, like a lot of queer baiting and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, totally. Star Trek's always really suppressed its queer themes, particularly during the 80s, 90s, early noughties era. Mm. But that's more like a management thing. And what remained that was queer was kind of like what the writers and actors could kind of get in under the radar. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it was never overt or yeah, really heavily there, but there was definitely that implication. I think, I think before 2017, when there was, you know, openly gay characters in the Star Trek universe, Deep Space Nine had a lot of homoerotic stuff, Mm -hmm. even going so far as to have a same sex kiss. Ooh. Yeah.
1: Nice.
0: Which they rationalise because one of the characters used to exist in a male body, but even that's like, cool.
1: Trans representation, my dude.
0: Exactly. That character is
1: Canonically trans.
0: I mean, it's a species that like changes bodies. Uh And I think a lot of trans people do see themselves in that character because that character literally has a line where just after becoming a new body, their line is, I'm still trying to sort out all my pronouns. Really? Yeah.
1: When was that made?
0: That particular line would have been 99.
1: Wow, And I don't think
0: that was intentional, but there's just a lot of moments that like...
1: It feels ahead of its time. It
0: it balances... Look, there's a Next Gen episode which also involves um, a genderless species that ruthlessly suppresses those that decide to identify as a gender. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the Enterprise crew has a romance with that character it's very allegorical yeah like so like
1: it's implied rather than being sort of
0: it's basically that episode is about conversion therapy
1: Uh so
0: i think in equal measure star trek's always had unintentional queer representation and intentional but very under the radar queer representation
1: Yeah, because, like, I don't know. And part of me thinks that when I'm watching... I mean, the only instance that I've seen of it so far is between Kirk and Spock. Yeah. And part of me is maybe because I've, you know, through osmosis have received that fan theory of them being in a relationship. And maybe I'm projecting a lot on them watching them because I'm like, oh, they're very affectionate. They're very close. Like, I think now in, in, you know, 2020, if you see two people being that kind of affectionate towards each other, regardless of gender, you kind of go, oh, are they... they Mm. dating like what's going on there I don't know I feel like it really is there there are so many moments between them that are really kind of affectionate and you know gentle and really horny and like part of me is like am I reading into this with you know a 21st century lens or was that put in there originally and it kind of seems like it might be more the latter than the former
0: yeah look when I first watched this I was dumb. I didn't pick up on that. But I'm also really stupid and I don't pick up,
1: <laughs> I don't
0: pick up on subtext ever.
1: We're getting there.
0: Yeah. Now, now that I'm openly identifying as a queer person, mm. it's much easier to pick up on queer subtext.
1: Now that you're in the club, <laughs> they gave you all the, all the cues. They're like, yep. ah. I've,
0: I've got the dot points of the gay agenda. you got the handbook. It's, it's all. Yeah. Yep, yep. 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 Nice. Have mm-hmm. you read the whole thing? Uh, like halfway through. I uh-huh. don't know. Yeah. So you get
1: some of it, but not all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. i getting there. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It's like, um, trying to destroy traditional marriage. That's one thing I'm trying to do. Cool. Cool, mm. cool, cool. Mm-hmm. How's that going?
1: Uh, look. Is that why COVID exists? Like there are all these weddings that are being postponed because of COVID.
0: <laughs> listen, listen, shut up. This is going public. <laughs> you know this. You've got the agenda.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Shit. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get her out to reading it. I'll get that. <laughs> We we'll got that. Great. Nothing salty. I was meant to be having my wedding soon, but it's been postponed. You're doing this to me as well. <laughs> I'm so excited. <sorry. laughs> anyway, what were we talking about?
0: <laughs> the gay agenda.
1: <laughs> what would you rate this episode?
0: Okay, well, out of big, veiny, throbbing heads.
1: <laughs> That's what I was going to say.
0: <laughs> Love
1: it. How many big, throbbing, veiny heads? Bulbous.
0: F- <laughs> <laughs> I would, I'd give this. A four. A four?
1: Hmm, that's quite high.
0: Yeah, well, I think whatever you're giving it's too low, so... Do what if I give it
1: the same as you? I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of...
0: You can give it a half or something.
1: I might go three and a half. Because, mm-hmm. like, I did like it, but, like... I'm not raving about it like I raved about... The oh, Naked Time. The Naked Time. I loved The Naked Time. Mm-hmm. I thought it was amazing. And I think I only gave that a four.
0: It feels like a five is very extreme.
1: A five is extremely extreme. and I. But the thing is, I don't know what a five would be. What does a five even look like?
0: Okay, for me, five looks like Bounce of Terror, Trouble with Tribbles, City at the Edge of Forever. We'll get to them.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think 3.5, I think because it, they're very clearly trying to salvage a pilot yeah I think that they're trying to fit sort of two stories into one and they manage it but like kind of only just the things that save it are Spock heavy episode the design of the aliens the design of the base I love the design of the base the design of the uniforms we got to see more uniforms like the uniforms on the base were a bit different they had a circle, sort of sun logo yeah. instead of the starship I logo. That. That was cool. um, we got to see some dress up uniforms where they had all these different colored triangles on their chest instead of the logo. We got to see a cool alien planet. But like, I loved all of that. There were heaps of different sets, heaps of different costumes. They really went all out on the design of it. I felt like by sort of halfway through the second episode, I kind of was going like, let's wrap this up. Like, let's get mm. it, let's go. And Spock was stretching it out throughout the whole hearing where they're like he was saying, You gotta listen to the whole thing, you gotta listen to the whole thing. Let me finish, let me go. And you're just sort of like, Okay, Spock, like we get it. Like, let's just get this show on the road I think it's just because they stretched it out for a long time I think that was mostly it for me but I did like a lot of it and but most of the things that I did like about it were design related and about the aesthetic of Hmm. the the actors and you know the outfits and things like that and less to do with the story although there were some things I found interesting like the zoo idea and you know the morality of you know between Captain Pike and Spock
0: there are two points that I would I would add to the yes. um, marks against it. I totally agree with you on on the story front. Mm-hmm. Uh, while I broadly really like the story, the one thing is that it's very odd that the Telosians go from wanting to have. Pike as breeding stock to being like oh sure bring him in we'll give him like a a wonderful illusory existence like that's an odd change of heart from wanting to enslave humans to basically functioning as a retirement home for this guy right
1: and the whole thing was yeah they needed him for breeding stock and it's implied that the Talosians have to actually be there either, you know, in the same room or the next room going, Hurr! and then yeah. with their brains throbbing, like it takes effort for them to create these illusions. And yeah. you can see that there are, there are Telosians with their weird throbbing heads going, Hurr! that takes time and energy,
0: but they're suddenly willing to do that for Pike. Okay. So they do actually revisit the Telosians and Pike and Vina in an episode of Star Trek Discovery which Mm. is the one that's been airing over the last few years the thing is I didn't love Discovery and I can remember so little of it but I feel like they might have gone a little bit of a way to explaining this a bit maybe anyway my other thing was that yeah the framing I think was a little bit of an issue like ultimately I think it was cool what they did I think they did it quite well in reworking two episodes into each other Mm. but they come out of the flashback a lot It's very back and forth, which is very confusing because Mm. then the flashback also has, you know, layers to it as well. And that you go into the illusory universe and you come out like there's just too many like narrative layers or like layers of scenes,
1: Mm. I guess. Yeah, because you you'll have a moment where Captain Pike is with Veena in the memory of his hometown on Earth with his two horses and then you come out of that into the cage and then out of that onto the ship in yeah. present present day and you're sort of like oh my god okay yeah we're back what's going on here yeah and exactly yeah it's a it's a lot of you get a bit of whiplash from the time
0: yeah i just think that's like a few issues with broadly a good idea and like a, some yeah they did well and also something they did several times was use the word devil in a, in a, in a casual way they so, did. so they'd say things like you old devil or that poor devil and I think collectively, we, as a society, we need to bring the word devil back.
1: Okay, you devil.
0: You sly devil.
1: Oh, you're not a devil.
0: Not just in that context. <laughs> we expand it past that, but yeah, that's my take.
1: Cool, that's a hot take. Should we wrap it up here?
0: Let's wrap What's it up? up. A bumper rep for the for the super fans out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Please remember to rate us five stars. We've got two ratings on Apple Podcasts so far. And they're both five stars.
0: Damn.
1: And, um, none of them were by me. No, sir. No, sorry.
0: Was the other one? Me?
1: I don't know. Did you vote on Apple Podcasts? (laughs) And if you want to email us something, I don't know what you'd want to email. If you've got thoughts.
0: Get mad at us for getting some canon wrong.
1: Yeah. Or like, I don't know. If you just want to say like, just from listening to our voice, who you think is the hottest. (laughs) I don't know we've got an email which is vulcanmindspod at gmail.com
0: v-u-l-c-a-n-m-i-n-d-s-p-o-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m
1: very good that
0: email again
1: no please don't say it again (laughs) that's enough wow i don't know i guess most of you are probably friends with us so you could probably just like yeah just text us just text us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: I like that we're keeping up the illusion that we have a fan base outside of our friends it's,
1: if, Look, if you're listening to this you probably know at least one of us Hi Josie <laughs> Hey Josie, I haven't seen you for a while Did you come around again? It was fun <laughs> when you came over for dinner that time That was cool If you send me a message and specifically ask for a shout out I'll do it, I'm crazy
0: Okay, hey, we'll, we'll chat um, Stop being an old douche Will sp-
1: Well, Shatner, you need to chill out. Bill Trans stop. people exist, cis people exist. Come on our podcast and defend yourself. You coward. You coward. <laughs> Goodbye. That's it.
0: That's-, That's it.
1: That's it. That's it. That's between. Same tweet. <laughs>